You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Yeah, I see you're over there trying to get everything all lined up and everything. You're sighing. Get everything, get everything, make sure everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm doing yeah. fine. Thank you. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Okay, where do we want to start? We want to start with CHOP. Yeah, we could chop. Let's start with CHOP. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we could chop with CHOP. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I just got notified that there was another shooting in chat. In, I keep wanting to call it Chaz, but it's not that anymore. There, there was another shooting in Seattle that killed one person and another person was uh, injured. Is that right? Or is this the same one we were talking about from two days ago? So the one person, one injured, I believe that was from a few days ago. And this this one that just happened yesterday, last night, it was a 17 year old that was injured, I believe. That says he's he was treated and released uh so and and was not admitted for a long-term stay so it must not have been bad must have just nicked him or something i linked a video about an hour ago and you and i watched it so you're saying that this is a different shooting then because this one you're saying that this video is is three weeks old which i never heard about it why wasn't Uh, this uh, like one to two weeks old yeah uh okay you know it, it was towards the beginning of of this I remember seeing it on other media platforms uh-huh. and it was okay, not, so- it wasn't the, like the full video we seen. It was the part after the guy had gotten out of the car and was walking away into the crowd. Uh-huh. So they caught out the, uh, the initial part where the guy actually is, is mm-hmm. doing the, uh, the shooting. So right. where, okay. So why wasn't this talked about? Why, why, why wasn't that talked about? I didn't hear anything about that until just this morning. I found out about that, but I heard about the one from two days ago where the police can't even get in to do an investigation. I mean, someone got shot. Someone's dead. We have to have a police investigation. I mean, in America, we have to have a police investigation. That's how this works. But we have complacent mayors. We have complacent police chiefs. We have complacent governors. We have collaborators that are not allowing the police to do their jobs. So this is a this almost seems like a Mexican standoff, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's mm. what it seems like. It's <laughs> the uh, the the other shooting you were talking about there that was on Saturday. Uh, there was a 19 year old that was killed and a 33 year old man that was uh, critically injured. OK, so this is the one where the police are not allowed to investigate, correct? Like they went in, they gathered up the shell casings and that's really about all they did. And they had paramedics go yeah. in and get the, the victim. And well, the well, the one the one deceased and then the actual victim that was injured and they pulled them out. Correct. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, the it was like the fire department or EMTs or something were waiting on the border and they brought them in uh, or, you know, they brought them from the Chaz or CHOP, brought them from there and to the, the EMTs or whatever. Uh huh. So it wasn't like they went in and got them. But I believe 10 officers went in and uh, got the evidence and then uh, got out. Okay. Well, look, we we said yesterday that this is going to have to be shut down. Like you you can't seriously allow this to continue, right? Because now they're just getting people killed. I said this yesterday. A 19-year-old 
was shot dead early on Saturday uh, in Seattle's self-styled no cops protest area. Uh, with officers who responded to the scene saying that they were initially blocked by an angry crowd. The second victim was hospitalized with life-threatening injuries, police said, after he was transported by volunteer paramedics uh, in the chaotic aftermath. Okay. So John Moore, who struggled to save the life of a man who died, said fellow volunteers pleaded with 911 dispatchers to send medics to the Seattle Fire Department or from the Seattle Fire Department, which has a policy of waiting for the police to secure violent scenes. So if they can't get in there, then, I mean, what, what do we do with this? Like, seriously, what do we do with this? Apart from going in there with water cannons, tear gas and rubber bullets and shutting it down, people are getting killed in there. And God only knows all the other things that are going on in there. We went over some of the stuff that Andy No was talking about when he was walking around in there masked up so he didn't get identified. So how much longer until they kill someone else? So I'm for sending in the National Guard personally. Well, that's I'm what they want to do. Them in, well, yeah, but, but the, I know yeah, the but governor the, or mayor won't allow it. Exactly. They won't allow it because they're on board with this. I I mean, if you want my opinion, ignore them, send in the National Guard, clean up this problem and then hold that mayor and hold that governor accountable. That's what you do. But well, again, you you run into but you run into a litigation problem because uh, the governor can just say, yeah, no, we're recalling National Guard. Sorry, you can't use them. I mean, we would have to send in military, not just yeah, National see, Guard. That's what they want him to do. That's the trap. That That's what they want him to do. See, they're holding back and using the state. It's a political game. That, that's what they're playing. It's a political game. They're baiting the trap, hoping that Trump goes and says, OK, well, we're sending in the 82nd Airborne with a half a platoon and we'll have this cleaned up in 10 minutes, which, you know, they could. They could have that cleaned mm-hmm. up in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But that's the trap, because, you know, as soon as that happens, there's going to be news cameras and there's going to be news vans and everything all over it. And what's going to be broadcast? You know the narrative that's going to be played. You know it. So how much longer do you let it go? You know, I mean, I, I guess how long do we the people allow this to continue? Isn't that the question? How long do we allow it to continue? Because as I said the day before yesterday, we're going to have to fix this problem. If you're expecting a governor, if you're expecting a mayor or a representative or a senator to come out and properly represent you and me and everyone else as constituents and step up, they're not going to do it. And you say, well, okay, well, yes, they will. Okay, where's the Republican Party on any of this? Where are they? I haven't heard word one out of any of them. And if they have, then it's not being broadcast anywhere. Have you heard anything from the Republican Party on any kind of a verbal pushback, let alone a physical one, a verbal pushback on any of the stuff we're seeing when it comes to having our monuments torn down, having our flags banned, whether you agree with them or not, doesn't matter on anything that has to do with our culture being under attack. Have you seen anything out of the Republican Party? Because I haven't. Yeah. So some of the uh, the the ones the media don't cover, you know, like, well, I guess he's not really Republican. He's more libertarian, but uh, like Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, you know, our typical. Yes, yes, those guys. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard some I've heard stuff out of them. Yes. But again, they're in the minority. Where are the party leaders? Where's Mitch McConnell? Where are guys like him? Old line party guys that look here, son, you're going to be out. Do you understand? You old guard Mm -hmm. party members of the GOP. You're useless. You're absolutely useless. Where are you on any of this? This is not the days of Ronald Reagan. (laughs) Gone are those days. We need opposition to what's happening. You need a pushback. Someone has got to stand up to this stuff. This is why people elect you to go in there and represent us. Are the people in the streets, are the mobs in the streets, are the Democrats in Congress, are they representing their constituents? 
I don't think so. But you're not representing us as Republicans either. You know, those of us that could see what the what the Democrats were doing a long time ago, they knew that they didn't have the people's best interests. We knew that. And don't sit there and think that I'm one way. I'm a split ticket voter. Always been a split ticket voter. I've always voted for Republicans and Democrats, both and independents. So I've always had that diverse side about myself because I see somebody based on the ideas that they present, not what letter they have behind their their name and their political affiliations. I don't care about that stuff. I care about what someone stands for. But Republicans, you people aren't doing anything on a national scale. You're not doing anything. You're not saying word one. This is when your constituents need you to speak up and go on television. Don't think the cameras aren't going to be there. They're going to be there. But you're worried about the mobs being turned on you. You're worried about the media vilifying you. They're going to vilify you anyway. You can't make a deal with this. You cannot make a deal with this. This is a cultural revolution, and they are here to overthrow all of it from every Western nation. I don't care if you're from the United States. I don't care if you're from Canada. I don't care if you're from the UK. I don't care if you're from Germany, if you're from France, if you're from Italy. I don't care. They are here for all of it. You have got to stand up and push back on what this mob is. But we're not seeing it. We're not seeing it. People elected you to stand up to scum like this, and you're not doing it. So I have to ask, does voting work? I mean, people voted for Republicans as opposed to Democrats. I'm speaking in the United States here. People voted for Republicans as opposed to Democrats because they didn't like the way that the Democrat Party has moved. They've moved to the radical left. So they voted Republican to try and ensure their safety somehow or or possibly uh, safeguard their their liberties if you if you want to go that way with it. But you people haven't done anything. You've just sat there like bumps on logs. This is why I say we can give the Republicans all the power in the world, which will probably happen in the next election coming up. But what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Probably nothing. Nothing. Because you just sit there. You don't do anything. You don't push back, which is what the people that elected you expect you to do. So you just allow the extreme on the other side run forward and take over everything and take what they want. Where's the opposition? Where's the where's the call out on national TV? Where's the press conferences presenting a, a united party condemning what's happening and what's being endorsed and saying, these are the steps we're going to introduce to, to try and counter this. And we're going to do this right now. Where's that talk? Honestly, we're, we're so embroiled in party politics right now, both left and right. The old guard are feeling the heat. Um, they're, they're struggling to retain control. You know, the bit about Obamagate, you know, the, the stuff that we've heard nothing else on the indictments and everything. We haven't heard anything about that ongoing investigation, which I mean, that's typical of investigations, but I want to know how much of the old guard was actually involved in all that and how much are they struggling or scrambling to, to retain control. And maybe that's why they're not saying anything and hoping that Donald Trump gets um, evicted, if you will, um, in, in the next election cycle. And they're hoping all of this that's going on right now, uh, both with Chaz and, and you know, the God, everything. I, I think they're hoping this will this will mar his image and he won't be reelected. And then they retained their positions, power, money, all that stuff. Uh, I, I wonder how much of that is actually going on. But the thing is, though, in what sense? Right? Do they really think that people are going to accept the way that things are and let everything go back? See, that's not going to happen. You've got a group out there. You've got an extremist group out there calling for the overthrow of the current system. Now, the system is not the problem. This is uh, We hear all this talk about, well, the system's failed. The system's failed. No, the system has not failed. 
it's failed in the sense that we've allowed it to become corrupt. You have a corrupt element in there that needs to be flushed out. They've grabbed control of the system. That doesn't mean you overthrow the system and bring in something else because the system that they're advocating for will allow the current people in power to become 10 times worse. That's the system they're advocating for. They become the new royalty in the new system, the type of system that's being that's being advocated for and advertised, saying, well, we need a direct democracy. What do you think these people gain in a direct democracy? Which that's a form of socialism. So in that particular system, they become even more corrupt because they become one party. You have one ruling party, which means less rights for you, less rights for me, less rights for your neighbor. So the current system, this is where I'm at on it, the current system can be reformed. See, I, I believe that system can be reformed. I don't believe that it's it's time to overthrow it and get rid of it because our system's proven to work. Now, it's not perfect. I made references to this a couple of days ago. It's not perfect. It's got a lot of problems, but it certainly beats everything else out there. I'm not bashing you know whatever respective country you come from because your systems work for you, and I'm glad that they do. But see, the European-style system doesn't work for America. That's not how we do things. That doesn't mean we can't be friends, but that's not how we do things. We have a specific way that we do things. We're not a democracy in the U.S. Well, we are with a little d, I suppose. But we are a constitutional republic. And our constitution is unique in the fact that it gives the government limited powers. It limits their authority. It delegates the power back to the states, the locales, and the citizen. The citizens of America are sovereign. The government is not. That's the difference. This is why Americans have this this rebel streak in them, right? This is why we behave the way that we do. This is why we're able to be individuals. And so you go to other countries, other cultures, and like I said, no disrespect to them, no disrespect to them at all. You know, I appreciate the fact that you do have a culture and you do have a system that works for you. I do appreciate that. And I'm, I'm happy for you. But this is why you go to these monocultures around the world and people look at you differently because they can't quite figure you out because you're an individual. So this is why America is unique. And this is why the problem is not the system. The problem is the corruption in the system. This is a vast network. Donald Trump ran on drain the swamp, right? He ran on drain the swamp. Mm -hmm. Well, he's draining that swamp. He's going after that swamp. And this is their pushback. Did you think these people were going to go quietly? Because I knew they weren't going to go quietly. They were going to pull out every dirty trick in the book. And you see what they're doing. And so getting rid of the system won't work. That's not the answer here. Because like I said, you run into a situation where you make things far worse. And so we don't need to go there. We, We just don't need to go there. So the flailing, the fighting, the conflict, the anarchy, the looting, the burning, the smashing of businesses. That's the old system dying. Governors, mayors, ones that are complacent, the ones that are, are collaborators, fueling all of these mobs in the streets. Again, that's the system dying. They are not the future. They're the past. They're done. They know that they're done. And so they have to go for a full on overthrow of the system to try and save their sorry behinds. That's where they are. Well, you know, we get off on these tangents and, you know, because we, we were talking, we started with Chaz. Isn't that how it was? We started Chop, yeah. sorry. And then, Chop, of course, man. because it, it's all relevant. This is what it all boils down to, because we're talking about just one little city area. But that one little city area, that six to eight blocks, that's meant to send a message to what they want to do for the rest of the country. I hate to tell you, mm-hmm. but that's yeah. what it's about. And so overthrowing the system like they've done in Seattle, they want to do that on a national scale. Is that the kind of system you want to live under? 
Is that the kind of system you want to see your countrymen and countrywomen living under? Because I don't. Anything else you got on chop? Uh, we need to chop chop. Other than that, <laughs> we need to chop chop. Yeah, we need to chop 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 like now. Yeah, that's right. Which chop chop for those that don't know that are outside the U.S. Chop chop is a is a slang term in the U.S. for we need to get moving quickly. <laughs> uh, we need to move on this. But anyway, uh, yeah, they got to go in there and shut that down. That's all there is to it. Let's talk Chicago because mm-hmm. we're talking Seattle. We're talking out of control cases, and of course, somebody got shot in uh, in Seattle. And apparently someone got shot three weeks ago, or excuse me, a week and a half, two weeks ago. And I just heard about it this morning. What happened in Chicago over Father's Day weekend? The last 48 hours in Chicago. All right. Listen to this. 104 people a hunt in Chicago. 104 people were shot. 14 of those were fatal all over the Father's Day weekend. Five children were among the 14 people including a three-year-old boy and a 13-year-old girl, killed in separate shootings on Saturday. I don't remember seeing any placards or any protests or any burnings, any riotings, any lootings, or any news coverage of any of that. Do you? I don't remember seeing any of that. Mm-mm. No. The weekend saw more shooting victims, but less fatalities than the last weekend of May. Oh, see, they're doing better. They're, they're doing better. When 85 people were shot, 24 of them fatally. All right, that was in the last week of May. That was Chicago's most deadly weekend in years. In a Sunday news conference, Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown reflected on the surge of gun violence. Bullets don't just tear apart the things that they strike. Bullets also tear apart families. Bullets destroy neighborhoods and they ruin any sense of safety in a community. He's absolutely right. Five children, five children, two boys, 15 and 16, were walking in an alley at 1218 a.m., off the 4700 block of West Superior Street when someone fired at them, possibly from a gray sedan, according to Chicago police. 15-year-old was shot in the leg, chest, and abdomen. He was taken to the Stroger Hospital and pronounced dead. The other boy, 16, was hit in the ankle and was also taken to Stroger. He was in fair condition. Saturday night, a 13-year-old girl was killed and two other teens were wounded in Austin on the west side. Girl was inside a home at 8.30 p.m. on the 1000 block of North LeClaire Avenue when shots were fired. And she was struck in the neck, police said. Amaria J. Jones was taken to Stroger, where she was pronounced dead, authorities say. Two boys, 15 and 16, were sitting on a porch when one of them noticed a red laser pointing at him and heard gunfire, police said. The younger boy was struck in the back and the older boy was struck in the leg. Both were taken to Mount Sinai Hospital in good condition. Two hours earlier, a three-year-old boy was fatally wounded when someone opened fire at his father while they were driving in Austin. Does anybody see a problem here? I'm reading this and I I do apologize because it's rather it's rather graphic and I'm, I'm sorry for that. But I see a problem with this. I see Americans killing Americans here. That's what I see. I don't see colors. I don't see social status. I see Americans killing Americans and it's a damn tragedy. Where's the news media on this? Where are the protesters on this? You want to go out there and you want to protest a just cause. Where are you on this? Where is where's the justice for any of these poor children that are being shot? Where's that call? Where's the mayor? Where's Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago on any of this? This is honestly, this is a tragedy. I I hate seeing so much violence and whatnot on on, on the streets. My next question in in some of these cases, like the uh, kids shot in the alleyway, how many of them were involved in any kind of gang related stuff? You know, I mean, this is a sign of something else going on deeper in our society. I don't know. You know, we've talked about it for before fathers not being a part of the families or, you know, having split families, abusive families, whatever, no longer having a sense of community that it's just, there's been a lot of things that have been torn down over the years that have, have triggered these kind of things happening. And it's going to take a lot of work from 
the American people to, to, to pull out of this trend. It's not about, as you said, it's not about the system being broken. It's about the people in the system. And that's the problem. If we focus on our own communities on a local level, trying to make them better, you know, as GB says, clean it up, you know, pick up a piece of trash, right? But it's also about having that community, you know, having that sense of community. Uh, and so, you know, working charities, working, getting the right people in office. I mean, even if that means you run for office yourself and or, or something, you know, on, on a local level, it's just, there's so much corruption in our system. We don't need to reform the system. We need to get the corruption out. You know, you mentioned a couple of things there, but I'll start with your last point there. You said uh, we don't need to reform the system. I, I don't necessarily, I, I said that we need to reform the system, but maybe I should be a little bit more clear. I don't think that we need to reform the system as in go in and alter it. That, that's not really what I meant when I said that we need to reform the system. Reform was exactly the sense you were speaking of when I said reform. Reform as in, we just need to clean out everything that's bad in there. It's got to go. There's nothing wrong with the system, right? This is why I say we need to keep it. So there's nothing wrong with the system. It's that the corruption has become so bad and so rampant in there from all levels, right? From all levels, from local, state, and federal, all of it. So if you don't believe that, look into the attorney general that just charged that police officer in Atlanta for murder. Look at how dirty he is, if you don't believe that. And then ask ask yourself why he charged that cop with murder. You'll you'll understand. Yes, you're, you're right on that. The system doesn't need to be reformed. Maybe I should have been more clear. It's a good point you make there. Just to be clear, I'm not, I, I was trying to echo it, its syntax difference oh, okay. in, in a way. I'm just echoing what you said, basically. Okay. Is how I meant it. Okay, fair enough. One of the other things you said there, the family unit. We talk all the time about family institution. It's been under attack in America for 50 years. 50 years it's been under attack. It's a long-term process that, that they've been able to go after the family unit in the United States. And it's not just that. They've gone after everything else. And when I say they, I'm talking about you know corrupt organizations inside uh, government bodies or uh, other organizations that have been brought in, established as uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations and the like. They get outside funding, things of that nature. They've done everything they could to uh, destroy the family unit. And so what did I say about family units a few days ago? It's a single functioning economic unit in and of itself. Families can take care of itself. It's the underpinning of a society. That's what keeps a society together is that amongst other things. But that's one of the main foundational principles is the family. You've got to have the family. Why do you always see these mass movements in these social organizations that are out there calling for the destruction of the Western prescribed nuclear family? Because they know that that's the underpinning of what keeps society together. And they want the destruction of that because they want total anarchy. That's the point of it. So a family unit, yes, that's been destroyed. You know what, Bruce? I want to talk. It's a really interesting point. I, I, want to, I want to talk sometime this week. You have to remind me. I want to talk this week on juvenile delinquency. I'd love to sit down and talk about that because okay. this is a problem we're seeing, isn't it? Because you have broken family units. You have gang affiliations. You have gang involvements. They turn to lives of crime. They get mixed up in drugs. All because, all because you have a broken family unit at home. It's not there. So if you don't have the family unit, what do you not have? You don't have personal responsibility. You're not taught anything. I guarantee you all those people that are hanging out and chop, I guarantee you all of them come from broken homes. I guarantee you. None of them had a, a stable family to fall back on if they got themselves in any kind of trouble or worse yet, maybe they had it, but they just didn't care about them. Who knows? But the fact is, is that there's something wrong there in their upbringing. And it causes them to think that way. Same thing with like these. Now, mind you, I was just reading off some of the stuff. Those were just a few cases. That was from Friday. There was still Saturday, Sunday, and even Monday morning that I didn't go through. 
I mean, 104 people, that's a lot to go through. I was just reading off a few. So there's a bigger problem here. There is an underpinning problem, as Bruce put it. There's an underpinning problem. Uh, There's a deep-rooted issue in the American society itself. And you know something? I believe I'm one of these people. I do have hope. I'm, I'm a hopeful person. I'm very optimistic. I'm very positive. And I believe in the American traditions. I believe in our way to be able to come together as a country and solve problems. And this is one of those problems that has to be solved. It has to be solved. Has to be. There's no getting around it. We have to deal with this. But we have to deal with the people. We have to deal with the organizations. We have to deal with the outside influences that are coming in, seeking to destroy all of that hard work. We've got almost 300 years of a constitutional republic that we're trying to preserve here. The longest standing constitution in the world, in the world. This is precisely why we have the biggest target on our backs as Americans, because the people that are at the top of this world that stole their way all the way up to the top of it, that seek to dominate and control societies, they hate our guts. They can't stand us. They can't stand the fact that there are independent, strong-minded, willfully determined people that see them for the scum that they are. We see those people for who they are. We understand them. And they don't like that. They don't like that at all. They want docile, dumbed-down, illiterate people. That's what they want. How pathetic of an individual do you have to be to dumb everybody else down to make yourself feel superior? How pathetic are you to do that? If you want to compete with somebody, if you want to dominate over over whatever it might be, whether it's business or or whatever, then you have to outcompete someone in the marketplace of ideas. That's how it works. You don't just walk in and say, "Oh well, uh, well I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to dumb everyone down, and then that'll that'll make me stronger." That's that's a fool's way. That's a coward's way of doing things. Now you see why they get themselves involved in education. <laughs> they change all the all the education. They change all the entertainment. They change all the art. They change all the culture because it's meant to make you feel demoralized and, and to not care. That's the point of it. That's precisely why they do this. This is why they follow that agenda. The tearing down of our monuments. That's not about just simply erasing our, our history. That's that's not what that's about. It's also a plan to be done on purpose to demoralize you. It's meant to make you feel like, well, this is happening and there's nothing you can do about it. It's meant to morally knock you down and make you feel weak. I mean, there's a lot of other things that go into that too. I mean, also, if you if you go and you look at a government building somewhere, why are the government buildings always so massive? Yeah, they build those things so big on purpose. Why? To make you feel small, to make you feel like when you're standing there looking at it, well, there's nothing I can do against that. These people know that we have the power. We the people, I don't care where you're from, forget forget nationalities. We the people have the power. They do not. They know that. They are scared of that. We are the majority. The ones you see in the streets, that's a small minority. That's nothing. That can be smashed in a day. In a day, that can be cleaned up. But we have to stand up to it. Now, if that means behind a microphone or behind a keyboard or whatever that is, then that's what has to be done. The mob has to be stood up to. The elite have to be stood up to. You know, do you, do you remember the gun rally in Virginia, Bruce, a couple of months ago? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I do. That scared yeah. the living hell out of the elites. That scared the hell out of them. You had 30,000 people out there armed to the teeth, sending a message that were peaceful, by the way, and cleaned up after themselves. So when you sit here and you, you think, well, what can I do? Well, what can I do? What can Bruce do? What can GP do? What can Marty do? I don't know what to do. I, I wish I had an answer for you. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do other than what I'm doing. I, I knew that this time was going to come, but but I didn't realize that that I was going to be sitting here doing this. If you'd have told me, what was it, Bruce, uh, uh, 
two years ago, if I'd have said, yeah, we're going to get into this, uh, we're going to get into this thing, we're going to get on air, we're going to start talking to people every day, I would have said, you're nuts. I'm not going to do that. But here we are, because now's the time. We knew a year ago that this was coming. So it's time for everybody else to stand up and speak too. However that is, how, however, however that is. But we cannot be the silent majority any longer. We have to speak up. We have to stand for our convictions because if we don't do it now, then we're never going to. So it's imperative right now that everyone speak out and stand up for what you believe in. I don't know a like a short-term solution to any of this, but uh, long-term, it's kind of what we talked about earlier. You have to make a difference in your own community locally. If you want to affect change in your life, that's where you focus is the local level. Because as we pointed out recently, who has more power in your local community? Is it your mayor, your governor, or the president? It's the mayor. And then it's the governor. And then it's the president in that order. So if you want to affect change, do it at the local level. Start in where you live first. And if everybody's doing that across the US and is trying to affect change, to try to better the nation, to, to return to our foundational values and, and make it a better country, it will get there. But it's not gonna it's not gonna happen overnight. We got here over years, it's gonna take us years to get it out. It's time to take personal responsibility, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, this week I wanna talk juvenile delinquency. So remind me, because that's a that's an important issue in society. So let's talk Tulsa Rally. The media is kicking his teeth in. Uh, making him look like a real jerk. Basically, the media is saying that the Trump rally was was a failure and the seats were empty. Uh, Joe Biden made this historic whatever rally to three people. OK, so th- look, the guy can't get a handful of people at a rally anywhere. He can't do it. But yet Trump does all this. Now, it was my understanding that there were a lot of people down there. Obviously, it was more than than 20,000. But like I said, that leads me to believe that a goodly percentage of those tickets were probably reserved by opposition and they just didn't show up. Naturally, you're going to have empty seats. Then, of course, the media is going to be there so they can spend that, of course, how they're spending it. The number of people that I saw in the streets for Trump was obviously bigger than the number that was actually inside the arena. So why wouldn't they just allow people to come in? To fill the arena, doesn't that make more sense? Why, why did why didn't they do that? That's a good question. Honestly, you mentioned that here. What was it yesterday? And that was that was actually a thought I hadn't considered that the opposition could have bought the tickets out. And mm-hmm. when you, when you really think about it, do you think that the opposition is uh, above that? Nah, no, of course nah. not. They they would stoop to that level, of course. So yeah, I, I think that's a very real possibility. And why didn't they let more in? Well. You know, I mean, it's kind of like a business thing, right? Other people did buy the ticket and they didn't show up. I mean, maybe at the very last minute they could have done something or in the middle of the rally or something. But I, I don't know that logistically they expected that to happen. Yeah, they're calling it a, uh, a summer solstice. President's shock at rows of empty seats at the rally. So they're saying that, of course, he's and I love these polls, right? I love these polls that are coming out. Uh, they're saying he's got a 38 percent approval rating. Mm. Now they're saying that it's possible that he could drop out. Are they serious? <laughs> yeah, uh, Trump is not a quitter, number one. And number no. two, these, okay, I've talked about it before. When you look at the methodology of these polls, you find that they're heavily skewed. What I think is going on is they're trying to manipulate twists, uh, change the opinions of people, make them think that Trump is doing so poorly that they'll go out and vote or not vote at all 
in the case of Trump. It's what they did in 2016. Yeah. What I'm wondering what will happen is Biden doesn't really have a lot of enthusiastic supporters. If they keep going down this road that, oh, people uh, like Trump's going to drop out. He's not even going to do it. Like if they keep going down that road, they may just lose what enthusiasm they have for Biden to what little bit they have and may not turn up the vote for Biden. So it, it could end up biting him in the ass, so to speak. So I, well, Biden I don't, can't even he can't uh, even talk. Like he can't, yeah, he can't. Right. Even, right. I mean, no, I'm, I'm not I'm not bashing the guy here because that's no, yeah, that's really yeah. sad. That's really yeah. sad to see. I mean, yeah. like I said, I don't make fun of the guy. I do not make fun mm-hmm. of the guy because I've seen people that have neurological problems and where the mind starts to go. And clearly that's what the case is here, because if you go back, like I remember Joe Biden. Yeah, I remember him during the Obama days. This now what he's doing that that's not Joe Biden. I don't know what's going on here. Clearly, there's a mental issue of some kind. There's a cognitive issue of some kind here. But that's not the Joe Biden of 10 years ago, is it? No, it's definitely not. He's he's definitely losing uh, mental faculties. But it is sad. But at the same time, why has he not dropped out yet? What is he doing still in there? What why are the people around him continuing to encourage him? And like, if you're so concerned about your legacy and, and the things that you did in the past, why are you selling that now with, with being? I don't know. It just it, well, is honestly, he so arrogant to think that he he's fine and, you know, he can do no, it or is no. It, is it he, he's just being pushed into it because I think it's the latter. Yeah, I, he's being pushed into it because he has to protect the network. And when I say the network, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. He right. has to protect the network. He's the only guy that can run. Hillary, she can't make it like there's, there's no way she she's hated. No, no one's going to vote for her. Clearly, of what happened last time, they can't run anybody else because no one else is really politically known. And no one is involved to the level that Biden, Obama and the Clinton campaign are involved in. So Joe has to run. He has to. There's no one else. That's how I'm seeing it. That's how I'm seeing it. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. I'm making reference here when I say the network. There is a whole backstory to that whole Ukraine deal. And it's not Trump, I can assure you. That's not what it is. Yeah. There's a lot to protect here. There's a lot to protect here. And no one else can run. John Kerry can't run. He ran against Bush and lost. So he, he can't run. Obama, obviously, he can't run. Clinton can't run. So there's no one else. Who, who else are you going to put up there? Uh, I mean, it, it may boil down to, especially with the current riots and whatnot, they could try to run someone, like replace him and run like a Kamala Harris or somebody, you know, someone, a, a person of color. To, as they as they like to uh, word it now. Well, so, this is going to be the VP very pick. Possible. This would be the VP pick. <laughs> yeah, right. But I'm saying that they may actually replace Biden altogether and When's try the to DNC? run someone someone of color. When's the DNC? Uh, it's coming up next month, isn't it? Next month is in like a week. So I want to say it was something like July 16th or something about the middle of July. Does that sound right? Because I thought they pushed it back. Yeah, they did. They said they were going to have a virtual convention now because of all this. 17th through 20th of August. So August 17th of August, August 20th. Okay. Yeah, so they pushed so, it back even further. All right. So they've got about 45 days to figure out this mess that they're in. That's about how much time they got. But I think, and here's the bigger issue, I think that they're trying to prevent the election from even happening. I don't think that they can allow mm-hmm. that to go through. 
Yeah, I mean, they're trying. They've tried that and are are going to start trying that again with the uh, COVID nineteen. Yeah, you um, see, they're coming back with another lockdown, which is complete BS. So, right, right. Like it's it's complete. And then nonsense. you have, uh, and then you have the the race riots and all that kind of stuff. They're they're trying mm-hmm. to push towards. So that that's kind of why I'm I'm leaning towards them trying to run a different candidate, maybe even a Michelle Obama. You know, no, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Like, why why would she do that? Why why would she do that? That that doesn't make any sense. She's making hundreds of millions of dollars doing what she's doing. Why mm-hmm. why would she give all that up? You wouldn't be able to. It doesn't make sense for her to do it. No, but I mean, for the Democratic Party to try to push for someone like that, I could I could see that. But as far uh-huh. as I, I don't see why they would they would dip out of the yeah. They can just yeah, kick back and do pretty much nothing. Interviews every once yeah. in a while, and they just keep you know, making buy it a couple cash. of more mansions and have a few more book advances of a hundred million dollars and make a couple of more Netflix movies, and there you go. Yep. Let's jump over to North Korea. What the hell's going on over there now? Well, North Korea has made a statement through the embassy in Moscow, right? Basically, whoa, 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 st- saying, stop, stop, right, stop right there. What? Ex- what? Yeah, they so, made a. North Korea made a statement embassy in Moscow. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was North Korea, but it was through the their embassy in Moscow. OK. OK. They said that there's going to be a sensational event leading to the destruction of the United States. The details on that is obviously sparse. All they said, what that's all they've said. It also should be oh, noted. Okay. We're still we're still technically in war with Korea. <laughs> uh, yes, we are. It never actually ended. There was never a, a quote ceasefire. It was just the fighting stopped and then the 38th parallel was established. So, um all right, th- th- this isn't making sense. Like n- none of this is making sense. So, Kim Jong Un's sister, Kim Yo Jong, came out and she's threatening the South and now was he actually making the statement? What, what so he's alive? So, she's the propaganda minister and Right. I'm not sure if she was the one. She's the one that's supposed to be heading up the assault on on the South. Correct. The statement, though, don't think it's I don't think it is him. So I, I'm just trying to piece all this together because none of this is making any sense. So I, like, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out because th- th- this just this reeks of, of China. That's what this is, because if, if for those that don't know, North Korea is a puppet state of of the Chinese Communist Party. So whenever they need something done and they need some threats to be made, China's not going to do that themselves. The, C- the CCP, I mean, they're not going to do that themselves. They're going to let their junkyard dog off a couple of links of that chain and say something like this. So they come out and they make a statement from their embassy in Moscow. How much sense does that make? That doesn't make any sense at all. Unless, unless, and I'm just, I'm not getting conspiratorial. I'm just trying to put this into perspective. So you have the Democrat Party in the United States. Who have they been clamoring about war with for the last, I don't know, three and a half years? Who? Russia, right? They've been clamoring for war with Russia. You remember the whole Russia collusion thing? Steel dossier, blah, blah, blah. You remember all that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turned mm-hmm. out to be fake. Okay. Yeah. So that happens. Where do you think that narrative possibly came from? The CCP. Who came in and bought the DNC? So if that is the agenda that's pushed, now you've got a puppet state of the CCP coming out making a statement like this from Moscow. Again, pitting two countries against each other. See, the Russians, whether or not you agree with their system, it's a side issue, right? I know a lot of Russian people, great people, and, and I know a lot of people that immigrated to different parts of the world from Russia, amazing people. I'm not really a fan of Putin, but Nonetheless, that's if that's how the Russians want their system. Putin's actually, believe it or not, whether you like him or not, 
He's actually trying to do right by his people. The difference is, is that the Russians want to be ruled by Russians. They don't want to be ruled by outside finance capital like George Soros. That's the problem here. Basically, the Russians broke away from the Marxist-Leninist system, right? They, they broke away from communism. They were in communism for 80 years, the Russians were. Killed upwards of 40 million or more of their own people. They've tried it for, <laughs> they had it for 80 years. They're like, you know what? And it collapsed in the early 90s. They said, you know what? 80 years of communism? Yeah, we're going to try something else. We're going to try something else. And what's Russia been doing? What's Russia been doing? They've been trying and experimenting around with the free market system, and it's had profound effects on their system. They're finding out that it's actually producing for them. So what do you have? What do you have? You have Russian oligarchs. You have Russian leadership that's thrown foreign finance capital out, and now they're running it for themselves. So the system of control and centralization has been busted up. So Russia's essentially broken off from that system. The English, the British, the UK, Brexit, they're breaking away from that system. The US, Donald Trump, we're breaking away from that system. You see a, a pattern here? So you've got two major superpowers in the world. I'm not discounting England, I'm sorry. You got two major superpowers in the world here. You've got the United States and you've got Russia. Now, if both of these systems break free from international control, mainly Soros finance capital, if you've got these two countries that break free from that system and they start working together and they start trading and they start build, which, by the way, that would build both of our economies up. If that happens, well, you don't have just one America to deal with, do you? You've got two. And one of them to the elite in this world is bad enough. So the last thing they want are two Americas to deal with. So what are they doing? If you're the CCP and you own the United Nations, if that if that's what you wanted to do, because clearly, if you look at the United Nations message and you look at the, the agendas that they push, hell, they put out a tweet the other day and they were talking about how Antifa was a good thing. If you don't believe me, go look that up. It's on their Twitter feed. It's still up there as far as I know. So if you've got an international body that's speaking for a totalitarian system and you want to stop those two systems, but you can't go after each one of them simultaneously, what do you do? What do you do? This is geopolitics. You turn them against each other. And that's precisely what I'm smelling here. Is this kind of what you're taking away from it too, or is it just me? Well, I, I guess to bring a little bit more light to it, this is what they were quote talking about. They were referencing the US deployment of military with South Korea, you know, doing their their war gaming and whatnot. Though there was a caveat that was suspended, uh, I believe, because of COVID-19 and all that. So uh, mm -hmm. I don't really know exactly what they're referencing there unless they're referencing past maneuvers. But then they also said a new round of the Korean War uh, will add a particularly sensational event to the history of mankind, which will put an end to another empire whose name is the United States. That's the quoted statement that they said. And then they go on to, to reference uh, their nuclear arsenal and that kind of thing. So they're basically threatening us with nuclear weapons in, in this. Now, we, we've kind of talked about it as well, whether or not this is China getting involved in the political war game, you know, or warring, whatever. There is an element as well where we've kind of talked about Kim Jong-un could just be dead. And they're doing their war uh, posturing mm -hmm. as new leaders selected. And then, you know, they'll come out and say when the new leaders selected, so-and-so defeated the Americans or or had them, you know, quilled the uprising or whatever. They 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 stopped the Americans from attacking us because, you know, our, our glorious leader died and uh -huh. they tried to uh -huh. use that to, to, to attack us. But now our new glorious leader has stopped the Americans from attacking us. That, that's kind of the trend that they follow. So okay. this 
could be all they're doing is is doing all the you know saber rattling and whatnot um that's yet to be seen obviously uh, we'll, we'll we'll see you see bruce i had this big old elaborate global geopolitical scheme all set up i framed it all up and then you just knocked it down you're like nah, that's not it well to be honest with you i was reading the article trying to find the part where north korea was quoting and i was completely not listening so it's okay but that's the point right we're not scripted we do it on the fly right that's the whole point of it we're real we're real we don't have talking points if you're looking for talking points i'm sorry this is not the podcast for you if you're looking for mainstream media talking points you're not going to get it we despise that stuff we can think we have our own opinions based on our own research that we do so we really don't uh we don't deal too much in uh in conspiracy theories or in um and things that we can't verify. So we, we like to we like to present it as, as best we can. So uh, that, that's just where we're at on it. I mean, I can add more to the whole North Korea, China thing. That kind yeah, of fits sure. What go we on. were talking about. Yeah, go on. We know China's 2050 plan, right, where they plan to more or less rule the world by 2050. Yeah. Yeah, this could easily be posturing for that and just have their little puppet that really doesn't mean anything to them. They could trigger a nuclear war between, you know. South Korea, the U.S., depending on if well, their missiles could reach as far. But we would shoot them out of the sky before they even get over the ocean. But yeah, they need North Korea. That's the problem. So they don't want to put it out there as a sacrifice. I think they will. If example, if the CCP feels as though they are if they feel as though they're a cornered rat and they're going to lose, if military action is going to be taken and you're going to cut the head off the snake. And at the same time, the Chinese people rise up and, and go after the CCP, which I mean, they don't like the CCP at all. They don't. The younger generation, the up and comings, they think they're, you know, mm-hmm. a bunch of gangsters and thugs. So they don't want to live under that totalitarian rule. And I don't blame them. Look what's going on in Hong Kong. You don't believe that. Look what's going on in Taiwan. How the action is, how the, the, the action is, is being talked about being taken to Taiwan. And you know, and you know that that's what, sorry? And India. And India, for that matter. Yes. You see what's yeah. going on there. Yeah. So if the CCP is under siege or if they're if, if they're in a, a war posturing, then they're going to let their junkyard dog off the chain. In this case, be North Korea. And so they're going to use them as the proxy to stir up the conflict, which see everything about the CCP, right? The Chinese Communist Party, the Communist Party in general, not necessarily the Chinese flavor of it, but the Communist Party in general. And I've studied communism and socialism and fascism for 10 years. Okay, everything about them is about deflection, all of it, deflection, deception and redirection. That's all they do on a mass scale. That's what they do. They do that all the time. This is why they have big propaganda ministries so they can carry out this kind of stuff. So what has happened with COVID-19? What happened there? Everybody knows where that came from, right? You notice we don't hear that anymore. Notice that's not being talked about at all. Nothing about where it came from. We're just hearing about it. We've been hearing about it, hearing about it, hearing about it. But immediately when it started to go international, all talk of where it came from ceased. Now, why is that? Well, you've got politicians well, I'm not uh, not just politicians. You've got political parties in the West that are compromised. They have been for decades. You've got a complacent media that's been bought off. And if you don't believe that, the top three papers in the United States, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and what was it? It was Washington Post. Yeah, that one where they take out full yes. page ads. Those are the top yes. three papers in the country. They take the Chinese Communist Party. They take out full page ads in. So you have a media that's on board with them. Obviously, they own the WHO. They sit on the UN Human Rights Council, for God's sake, 
and they've got 3 million people in slave labor camps. So they pretty much have the UN compromise. They use that as an international mouthpiece to speak on their behalf. Same thing with the WHO. They use the WHO to speak on their behalf to carry their propaganda. And so everything about COVID has been a deflection. It's all been redirected. Same thing with this. When you have military action or if you have action being taken against China, which is what the Indians are doing, what's going to happen? It's going to be redirection. They're going to see that threat and they're going to turn around and they're going to counter it, but it's going to be in another form. So it'll be a redirection. You notice everything with COVID now? All the focus has been taken off China. It has been for months. It's all been redirected to, and the media is just hammering U.S. cases, aren't they? It was on the Italians for a while. And then when it hit the U.S., man, they were just hammering the hell out of it. So it was, uh, you know, this number, this number, this number, this is how many people are dying. This is what the cases are going to be. This is what we're doing with all these these procedures. These are the steps that these states are taking. This is all Trump's fault. This is all Trump's fault. This is all Trump's fault. It's redirection. That's what they do. That's what all totalitarian regimes do. They follow that. That's part of it. You've seen what China said recently, yeah? Talking about this, they're now saying that their next wave or the wave that's kicking up again in China came from Europe. Oh, yes. They're, they're completely glossing over the fact that it originated there in Wuhan. But, you know. Right. Everything's redirection. All of it. Yeah. And so it's about taking the focus off of one thing and showing you something else. The Chinese Communist Party, they went into Hong Kong. They're 30 years too early. They weren't supposed to go in there till 2050. As Bruce said, that's part of their plan. They weren't supposed to go into Hong Kong until 2050. They're not supposed to take any action against Taiwan. Taiwan's a sovereign nation, although they claim it to be part of China. Of course, they always have. Not the Taiwanese, the uh, the Chinese Communist Party. So they had egg on their faces from what they did in Hong Kong. Remember the umbrella protests? Mm-hmm. That's where it started. So they were embarrassed there. They started to take military action and put sanctions on Taiwan. They pushed back the, the, the good, prideful Taiwanese, great people. They pushed back on them. And so they got embarrassed there. They go to a trade war with the United States and they lose. And so they got embarrassed there again. What happened right after that? We had a pandemic, didn't we? Mm-hmm. See, one thing Asiatic countries don't do, they don't tolerate being humiliated. They do not tolerate that. The Asiatic people in general, I'm not speaking one particular nation here, but they're very prideful people. They take their honor very seriously. This is why we fought so hard against the Japanese in the Second World War. They would not surrender. They were that hard headed. They were that prideful. They would not surrender. You know, bless them. You got to admire that, you know, in a way. But one thing that they don't tolerate in Asiatic societies is humiliation. And they got humiliated on the world stage by Donald Trump, of all people, not just through their own actions against Hong Kong and Taiwan, but against the United States. They went to a trade war with the United States and they lost. So what does that do? That weakens their credibility at home. So their people will be more likely to not take them seriously and to want to overthrow it. And so it represents a very serious threat to their rule and to their power. So yeah, what do they do? They give us a pandemic. Yeah, they, they, they cook up this, uh, this pandemic. And so and everything, you know, and since then, all that all that focus has gone away, hasn't it? All the, the nonsense with with Hong Kong, all the nonsense with Taiwan, all the trade war with the US, it's all vanished, hasn't it? No one cares about that anymore. Of course, it was the pandemic that put some focus on them for a while. They made themselves look like victims, which, you know, in reality, I mean, the, the number of deaths in there, we'll never know. That's the sad thing about it. So they switched it around. They made themselves look like victims. And so then they turned it again. They flipped it again when it hit Europe and the United States. The Italians weren't beat up on too bad when it came to that. But the media went to town on the incompetence of the United States, didn't they? They're still going to town on it. Mm-hmm. So they have to take the embarrassment off of themselves and they have to place it somewhere else. 
And in this case, the media have done their damnedest to try and embarrass Trump when it comes to this COVID stuff, haven't they? So see, the embarrassment is not where it should be. The embarrassment is a reprojection. It's a redirection of the game that they're playing. That's where they're at. And the same thing with all this North Korea stuff. You can tie all that in there, too. But they, uh, you know, again, this is just this is the Chinese that are that are just putting this um, putting this stuff out. But that's just my take on it. But anyway, uh, what's going on at LAX? Let's let's finish on LAX. What's happening out there? Our own little covid centered social credit score test i guess so basically what they're doing is uh, not this covid stuff yeah i mean it it, it's related to covid It, it is basically what they're they're doing is they announced a pilot program to test the use of thermal imaging cameras at departure entrances and other corridors for international arrivals into the airports or into the airport. So basically what they're intending to do is check to see if anyone has a temperature above 100, 100.4 degrees. And then I, I don't know what they plan to do from there to take them aside, quarantine them. I don't know. This is supposed to be at this point voluntary and you're not mandated. And the employees at this point are not able to really do anything. They can pull them aside for a second screening, but really all they're allowed to do at this point is give them advice handed down from uh, county or, or federal health officials. I'm trying to figure out why we're even entertaining this. Like, who's who's taking this COVID stuff seriously at this point? Or am I the only one that's not? There's still I know there's still a lot of angst tied to that because I, I know of people in this area that are still concerned with with COVID. And you'll see them wearing their masks out in public still or, um, you know, social distancing, not interacting with um, family or friends or whatnot, because they're concerned about it. So there's still a, a percentage of the population that that is concerned. Well, I suppose I, uh, I can't fault them for that. But um, I, I blame, again, I'll, I'll blame the media on this one for for inciting the fear and the panic. I mean, look, when a virus works its way through a population, it naturally becomes weaker, right? As it evolves, yes. Or so, and you gain immunity. We're to the point now where we're going to start checking people for a cold. We're going to start checking people for uh, for the flu. We're coming up on flu season here soon, a couple of months. Let me get this straight. If I have a cold, uh, I can't get on an airplane, which I wouldn't anyway. Uh, it's just I, I find all this stuff completely absurd. It's absurd. It's absurd. This is nonsense. You've got it. You've got people. You've got you've got an element of of the old system that's trying to grab control and keep people in fear. That's what they're doing. And so you have fear become the weapon. That's the point of it. So it's not it's I, I'm not I'm not going to get back into this. I'm not gonna, I'm not even going to entertain all this crap, but I'm actually I'm glad to hear that um, that LAX is taking it seriously. I will not be flying through LAX anytime soon. So do whatever you're going to do. <laughs> I just find it funny that they come out with all these machines now. All of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, look, we got this warehouse full of machines over here to monitor people's temperatures. Oh, you just had those laying around, you know, kind of like they had all the body scanners. Laying in, in a warehouse, they had hundreds of thousands of them. And then all of a sudden, uh, wait a minute, uh, those towers got knocked down. Well, we just happen to have all these scanners right here. Same thing with all uh-huh. this. Well, we, we got all these these uh, temperature monitors and, and thermal cameras and everything. Well, we got them all here ready to go. They're just collecting dust. Well, why do you have a million of these things? Oh, well, just just in case we needed them. <laughs> Give me a break. Give me a break. These people are uh, these people are sick joke. They're a sick joke. We're going to have to jump out of here. 
For those of you that have not, and you're looking for a new place to uh, voice your opinions, there is a massive campaign on now called Twexit, which is to get people off of Twitter. And I have to say, it's been quite successful because everyone's coming over to the platform called Parlor. That's where everybody seems to be. Uh, we are already over there. You can follow me over there at JAnderson3. You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. But I've seen a lot of people flooding in over there in the last couple of days. So apparently they're having a lot of success getting people off of Twitter because we talk about what these social media companies are doing all the time. So if you're looking for a friendly place, if you're looking for a place to to hang around and not be dealing with trolls and spammers and angry mobs about every view you've got, uh, if you'd like to have a good dialogue amongst people and not be arguing back and forth all the time, Give Parlor a try. But like I said, you can follow us over there. We welcome the feedback. We welcome the comments. We welcome the follows, the likes, the upvotes, uh, the echoes, all of it. Hopefully, we'll be seeing some of you over there very shortly if you haven't moved over already. So thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening. Because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you, and we love freedom and independence. And together, we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.